Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. We started a series last week called Crossing Over and our series is also the, think of it like a, a theme for the year. It's, it's something that God had put on my heart and something that he had spoken to me about. And God spoke to me at, uh, at a point in last year and he said that where we're about to go as the church is a place that we've never gone to before. That sounds a little mysterious, doesn't it? And I got a little bit excited about that. Last year, uh, the whole purpose behind our year was to dream again because even as I look out this morning, I see so many people with incredible potential to do amazing things for God. And sometimes, because of seasons and all kinds of things that happen in your life, uh, so maybe some baggage you pick up along the way, what happens is that those dreams begin to shut down. But let me tell you something. When God gives you a dream, it's not supposed to stay a dream. When God gives you a dream, when God gives you a picture of the future, it's meant to be something that eventually you step into. The season for us is crossing over where we take the things that we believe God has spoken about and there's a crossing over that happens where dreams begin to become a practical reality. Now, I don't just think it's me saying it. It's not happening because I say it. It's happening because God is doing it and there are so many things that's happened this year that would just confirm that to us already. Last week... I shared a message. Uh, the message was about overcoming obstacles. And you're going to face all kinds of obstacles in your life. You know, that's not a surprise to you, is it? Many of you already know that. There's all kinds of obstacles that happen in your life. But do you know that the first place that you'll have an obstacle will be in your mind? Because your thoughts precede your behavior. Your thoughts precede your action. So the first battle that you'll have will be something that will take place in your mind. Now, if you want your life to start looking differently, you need to begin by changing the way you think. You need to change your thought life. If you're able to change your thought life, you'll be able to change what your life looks like. And I know it seems crazy, but even God's plans have obstacles. It's a something that's between you and where you want to be. And oftentimes we think that God made a mistake by putting that thing in the middle of our path. But the truth is, is that it's there for a reason. It's there for you to grow. It's there for you to tackle, to take on. It's there for you to become stronger when you finish dealing with it. There's a purpose for all of that. And uh, I think that the best way, if you're having a battle in your mind and you're struggling just in your life in general with your thought life, the way you think and your thoughts about what God might even think about you, the best thing that you can do is read your Bible because then it's in here that you learn what God thinks about you. It's in here that you learn what he wants to do with your future and then you can take those words and begin to speak those words over your life. So we shared that last week and if you didn't get a hold of the message, you weren't here, just, you can, we, we podcast that so you can download it. But I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into today. God, thank you so much for everybody that's here. And Father, whether we just came for baby dedications, maybe we're here every week or someone dragged us along, it doesn't matter, God. You knew that everyone would be in this room today and you have a message that you want to speak into the hearts of people. And so, God, I pray that 
this morning, however we came to be here, that we would be completely open to what you want to say to us. Everything that we've had in our mind up to this point, I pray, God, that all of that would just be done away with in this moment and we would be open and ready to listen to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was gonna, shoulda, coulda, a words of regret. They're like past tense. That's something that you should have done, you could have done, you would have done, but you didn't do. And I think that there are so many people that have that gonna, shoulda, coulda, what might have been, but what was never attempted. And I tell you what, that's a, that's a bad place to be. That's a, that's a tough place to be. And I don't know what it would be for you this morning. Maybe for you, you've just been trying to get a job. And you just keep getting rejected. And so because of that, you're sort of feeling like you're just going to quit or, or, or give up. You know, you were going to keep applying, but then you got rejected and it just kind of kept you where you were. Maybe you're going to start a ministry. You had this thing that was on your heart. It's been on your heart for 20 years. And you thought, I'd really love to do that one day. And you were going to, and you should have, and you could have, but you didn't. And I tell you, that's it. That is, again, that is a, a, a bad place to be. But whatever it is, I think that God puts dreams in our hearts, God-led initiatives, because he wants us to do something with those. I wonder what you have been talked out of doing. I wonder what you have been talked out of doing. And right now, even this morning, you sit there and you think, I have a shoulda, coulda, woulda, didn't. I have that in my past and in my history. But you know, if you're here today, and you are because you're listening to this, if you're here today and listening to this, and you're breathing and you're still alive, there is still time on the clock for you to do whatever it is that God wants you to do. There's still time. That doesn't have to be the end of your story. And if you sit down and you talk with people, they often have a reason why they didn't do what they believed they were called to do. For some people, the reason is they just didn't have the money. They didn't have the financial resource to be able to do it. You were going to pursue a ministry, but you were waiting till you were financially secure. I don't know what that means for you but you were waiting till you were financially secure before you took your first steps towards doing whatever it is that God wants you to do. Maybe the truth is you're just insecure about your gift. You're afraid of failing. Or maybe you're afraid of actually succeeding. Gosh, sometimes the fear of succeeding. What if you're good at it? What if it actually works? And then you kind of have to keep doing it. Sometimes that could be something that someone's afraid of. Or maybe what you've just been waiting for, your reason, is you're just waiting for the right timing. You know, the, the, the perfect conditions, the perfect season. If you make a decision to go and get fit, and you decide that you're going to run, I mean, buying the shoes doesn't really help you. 
you got to run. And you wake up on the first morning and you look outside and it's raining. And you say, well, I was going to do that run today, but it's raining outside and it's not the right conditions. I tell you what, I'll do that tomorrow. And then you wake up tomorrow and it's cold and there's frost. And you say to yourself, now, now I was definitely today going to go for that run, but my optimum running temperature is between 10 and 20 degrees. I don't do six. So I'm not going to go for that run today, but I'll start that tomorrow. But then you wake up tomorrow, and because you live in Melbourne, it's probably 30 degrees at 6 a.m. <laughs> and you say to yourself, I was definitely going to go for that run, but now it's too hot because my optimum running temperature is between 10 and 20 degrees. So I was going to do it, but I didn't do it. We have a name for that. It's called excuses. And you're just coming up with excuses. Call it a reason. If it makes you feel more comfortable, if you want to be a little bit real today, we could just go ahead and call it an excuse. And you have excuses why you can't get out there. I think you just don't like running, okay? That's it. Just face it. You don't want to run. I don't like to run. Just admit it to yourself. You don't want to do it. But you're coming up with reasons why you can't do it. There's always a reason why you can't keep going. There's always a reason why you might not even start. Even some people today, you might be in this room on the verge of quitting. And I would say to you, before you even think about quitting, just stop. Don't quit. Don't, don't quit right now. Don't just stop before you go and do that because in the future, what you'll end up with is a woulda, a coulda, shoulda, but I didn't. You can avoid that today if you make the decision that you're just not going to quit, that you're not going to stop. I think that today, if you handle what you hear today correctly, if you handle this correctly, this message that I'm going to share with you right now has the power to immediately transform your life. Instantly, you can walk out of here today if you hear this correctly, and this can instantly transform your life. And so we've been talking about crossing over, and last week we spoke about the children of Israel, how they were led out of Egypt and uh, went into the wilderness. And then because they were so afraid of the giants that awaited them in the promised land, they had to wait for 40 years. And at the very end of that 40 years, Moses was 120 years old, and he says that his vigor was unabated and his eye not dimmed. I think that's pretty awesome, 120 years old. Do you know that you can be a mature-aged person with a young spirit? That's what I want to be. Do you know what I love about that line of scripture that tells us that is that even though Moses knew that he wasn't going to end up in the promised land, he was just so excited that the next generation were going to go ahead and enter into the promised land. I want to go out like that, where I'm just 
Got a young spirit and I'm excited. I think every generation should start building something significant for the next generation to go further and way beyond where we ever thought that we could go in our time. That's what Moses was excited about. And he hands the reins of Israel, the leadership of Israel to Joshua. And at the beginning of Joshua, they make preparation to go over the river Jordan and take the first city, which is Jericho. And in the opening passage in Joshua chapter 1, he gets told this very important thing by God. And it says, it says in the scripture that Joshua is to be bold or, or to be courageous, to be bold and to be courageous and to be strong. I prayed that prayer over my kids all the time. I was praying that prayer over my kids for months. I said, God, make them bold, make them courageous, make them strong, you know. After a couple of months, my son Isaac said to me, Dad, I thank you for praying for us every night, but why do you always pray for us to be bold? God bless him, he didn't bring it up for months. He just wants to know why Dad wants him to be bold. I said, not bold, bold, you know? Courageous, full of courage. You know, I think the word courage it really has to mean that you're going to face something because courage is what you need in the face of opposition. So when he says you need courage, that means you need something internally that's going to keep driving you forwards and pressing you on towards the goal. And so they decide to get ready to cross the River Jordan and the Ark of the Covenant goes before them, about a kilometer in front of them. And he said, where I'm about to take you, you haven't gone before. So don't just think that this is just your average day where you're going to circumnavigate the same mountains in your life, the same problems. He says, follow the Ark of the Covenant. That represents the presence of God. He says, just follow me. And so they get to the River Jordan. And at this point, the River Jordan is overflowing its banks. You can't cross the River Jordan. And the priests begin to walk into the river. And as they do that, it says that the water stood up. I don't know what that looks like but I have an image in my head and it's weird and it's cool. And the water just kind of stood up and it says that Israel crossed through on dry ground and then they got to the other side. Now, I've seen something like this before. It was just sort of a few books ago when Moses did the exact same thing with the children of Israel. And they crossed through the Red Sea. The Red Sea parted. It was impossible, but they did it. And they crossed through and they came to the other side. Now, when they got to the other side, they just moved on. But Joshua says, we're going to do something a little bit different this time. He gets one person from each tribe, 12 men, 12 tribes. And he says, I want you to get memorial stones. And we are going to put these stones here as a memorial, so when future generations say, what is this about, we can remind them about how good God has been in our history, and some people need to remember how good God has been in their history, because it's a great indicator of what God is about to do in their future, but if you're so focused on your fear, you can, like Israel, forget what God did do, and just be talked out of what God is about to do, so they get the 12 stones, and they put them there as a memorial to remember. Now, I all admit to you that stones are really heavy, so just get yourself a journal. You should do it. Don't make it a New Year's resolution because you'll never do it, but, uh, but just get a journal 
and begin to write down all the things that God has been doing in your life. And then you can start to read back over that and you start to get encouraged. And so now they're on the other side and they've crossed the river Jordan, but now they're about to come to Jericho, this city. And uh, before they go over there, the Bible says that they all got circumcised. Now, they weren't just killing time. It's not fashionable. It's not, it wasn't cool. They didn't say, hey, what are you doing later? They didn't have that conversation. In fact, everyone, no, no one wants that, okay? But they all did it. Isn't that kind of interesting that before they faced their greatest battle, that they would get circumcised? And the reason that they did that is because it was a covenant blessing that God had made with Abraham and the seal of every covenant is the spilling of blood, which is why Jesus' blood on the cross seals the new covenant, a covenant of grace for us. And so they all got circumcised and entered into that covenant blessing that was given to Abraham. The covenant blessing stated that they would possess the gate to their enemies, which essentially means if you enter into this covenant with God, you are assured victory in every battle that you face. So now you think, now you think it's a good idea. Before you're like, that's just weird. But now you can understand why they do it. So they go ahead and they do that. Why did they do that? Because they're about to face the toughest battle that they've ever faced. The city of Jericho. I don't know what, uh, what battle you're facing today. For you, your battle could just be for your marriage right now. And you are just about ready to just give up and call it quits. You've had enough. Maybe for you, it's just you have been working this business and you were told by God that it would be profitable and you started working it and you can't see the fruit of your labor yet. And you feel you're taking on this feeling like you're failing, like you're making a mistake. Hey, guess what? Your job is obedience, okay? You, you leave the victory to God, but your job is obedience. Maybe you're a parent and you're here today and your kid's on drugs and you're about ready to give up on them. Or maybe you just want to quit life altogether. I don't know. You just Every day you wake up, you feel depressed. You're like, that's it. I've had enough. You've got these big bullies that are in your life. You know what a bully does? It waits for you and it reminds you that it's always there. I remember years ago, I went to the Bayswater Roller Rink. Yep. I used to rollerblade. And so I, I went to the roller rink and uh, I saw my brother and he was getting into uh, what looked like a potential fight. And I went over there to see what I could do to help the situation. And I got over there and this bully was standing there with all of his mates, and they were talking tough, you know? And, he's, and, and so he's there, and he said to me, this is a direct quote, he said, my cousin's 18 years old, and he's here. I'm going to get him, and he's going to get you. And I looked at him, and we were outnumbered, right? So they're sort of like surrounding me, and I'm outnumbered, right? So on the outside, I'm like Jericho, tough on the outside, on the inside, a little bit worried about what's about to happen next. And so I'm, I'm, I'm tough on the outside, and I'm thinking, well, what do we do from here? And then I spy across the other side of the roller rink is my dad. 
Now, I've wrestled my dad. And he can just pick me up. And he can throw me around, right? And I don't know how tough these kids think that they are, but I'm going to back my dad over all of them. And so I see my dad, and he's just standing still, just watching. He doesn't even know what's going on. He probably thought we were making friends. We weren't. <clears throat> Look at those. That's my boy. Look at him making friends over there. That's the way I raised you, Ben. That's what he was thinking. And I'm standing there with this situation, and then I see my dad. And so you know what happens to me? I get bold. I'm like, really? Well, if you think you're so tough then, mate, try it on. Come on, let's have a go, right? When they see this kind of show from a kid that's smaller than them, they start to think, he knows something that we don't. No one's this confident, right? And they see it. And I, like, after that, I'm like, I own this place. I'm like, move, get out the way. I'm, I'm like, um, I'm like, I own it, you know? And this is the thing, right? I saw my dad and that just changed everything, right? You roll bold when you roll with God. You roll bold when you roll with God. Why do you think it says that the righteous are as bold as a lion? Why are the righteous as bold as a lion? Do you know it's not because of their self-confidence? That's not where that comes from. No, in fact, we get our boldness from the same place that we get our righteousness. Our righteousness is given to us. If you're in church today and you're new, you don't normally come to church, I want to let you know that Christians are not self-righteous. We're made righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. He forgave us of our sin. It's called justification. And he places his righteousness on top of us. And the same place we get our righteousness is the same place that we get our boldness. And so when you know that God is with you, you start to get real bold. Don't stop because you couldn't see your greatest ally. Don't stop because you couldn't see your greatest ally. You couldn't see where God was in your circumstances. Don't quit because your problems are visible and your God is invisible. Or am I the only one who's noticed that? My problems are highly visible Sometimes they're spiritual, sometimes they're physical, sometimes they're structural, and God is invisible. But just because I can see my problem doesn't mean that God is not with me. Because he made a promise to me that he'd never leave me and he'd never forsake me. And we call that faith, and it's believing without seeing. We have faith because we know, we know that God is with us. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13... Joshua was by Jericho, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? How's this for a response? No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? 
And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua very smartly did so. Your greatest ally is not having a bank account full enough to release you to pursue your ministry call. Your greatest ally is not having enough resource so that God can start to do something with you at that point. Your greatest ally isn't the perfect conditions. Your greatest ally isn't your self-confidence. No. Your greatest ally is an all-powerful, almighty, all-consuming God who's able to do abundantly above what you hope, what you think, what you imagine. Your greatest ally are not your conditions, your bank account, or how you're going, your self-confidence, or your skill set. Your greatest ally to begin to move forwards and face your toughest battle is an all-powerful God. And Joshua, he sees the commander of the Lord's army and he knew that he was for him. It's just like my dad. He knew that he was for him. Now, after he knew that the commander of the army of the Lord was for him, it was on like Donkey Kong. He was like, I am ready to go into battle and I don't really care what comes at me because I'll tell you something right now, my God is for me and I'm okay. I'm going to be just fine. Hey, side note, that's why you should read your Bible. Do I keep saying that? Yeah. You should read your Bible because when you do, you know what God thinks about you. You know what God feels about you. You can settle that in your heart. Why do you think in the beginning when Joshua was to cross over, he said, don't let this book of law depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Why do you think it was so important for Joshua to do that? We've got to keep God's book close to our hearts, close to our chest, in our minds, so that when things begin to happen, we always know, don't be talked out of that, that God's not for you. Don't ever believe that. That's not true. God is for you. We know he's for us. He sent his son to die for it. I don't know how you think Joshua felt, but I got a pretty good idea how he would have felt at that point with the commander of the Lord's army that he knew was about to fight for him. And so this is what happens next. It says, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside. Another word for shut up would be locked up. The whole city was locked up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. What will they do? What will they do? You're getting there. What will they do? They will shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. This is the strategy that he gives to Joshua, don't stop before God starts. Don't stop. Hey, listen. Don't stop before God starts. Turn to the person next to you 
and you tell them, don't you stop before God starts. Now turn to the one that you ignored and don't be offended and say to them, and say to them, I'm sorry, open with I'm sorry, and then say, don't stop before God starts. Don't stop before God starts. Jericho's walls were high, its gates were locked because the people inside were intimidated. But from the outside, the whole thing looks locked up. And God comes to Joshua and he says, see, 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 I've given Jericho into your hands. Do you know what Joshua can see? He sees a city that's locked up. Sometimes all you can see is your past mistakes. Sometimes all you can see is your history of failure. Sometimes all you can see is your obstacle. Sometimes all you can see is your sin. But if you start to see the way the commander of the Lord's army spoke to Joshua and he said, do you see I've given you victory? You'll start to see how big God really is. And then you don't have to worry about it. And this is important for some of you because some of you are going through spiritual opposition right now. And I'll tell you something about that. The, the spiritual opposition that comes against you, it is intimidated by you. I know that sounds crazy, but it's intimidated by you. And the reason it's intimidated by you has absolutely zero to do with you. Did you know that the Bible says that when you give your life to Jesus, that your body becomes a temple for the Holy Spirit, which means now he comes and lives in you. Do you know that when you start to express the spiritual gifts that God has put in your life, that they are a manifestation. The word manifest means to make something plain and obvious. And it makes it plain and obvious to everyone, every spiritual opposition that comes against you, that God is working with you and he's in you and he's for you. Did you know that God was with you? Are you able to see in your current context and your circumstance that God is for you? The enemy of your soul, by the way, he knows that if you ever get going, he's gone. And I have learned that nothing gets you going like praise. Nothing gets you going like praise. I remember one day I came home from work and I tell you, I don't know if you're like this, but I find that if I have one situation I'm dealing with in my life, it's, it's, I can handle it. I can handle it. But when you have fires going on all around you, you feel a little bit surrounded, that's when things feel a little bit tougher. And this particular day, it was tough. And I got home early from work and Sarah was not home and the kids weren't home. And so I, I came in and I had a decision to make about what I was going to do and how I was going to handle the fire that felt like it was going on all around me. And I decided I made a decision because I am disciplined to put on some praise music. And the good thing about putting on praise music is that the lyrics will carry you when you don't feel like you've got it in you. And so I was very selective in the words that I would listen to that day. And I put on some praise music and one song and I was like, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better. And I keep listening. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling real good. I'm feeling pretty good about this, right? I tell you, I'm listening to like three, four songs. I'm dancing like David, not completely like David because we had windows that faced our neighbors, but kind of, I'm dancing, and I'll tell you something, my circumstances had not changed, my situation didn't change, I had, come on, I had no new information. 
I had no new information, but my countenance was different. I was different on the inside because I started speaking words of life over my situation. Sometimes you've just got to begin to praise and speak it over your life. Your pre-praise victory is an indication of your expectation. Pre-praise victory. Anyone can do it after. Your pre-praise victory is an indication of your expectation. And the words that I'm about to say next, if you get this, this will transform your life. Absolutely. Praise precedes power. Praise precedes power. Just say it so I know if you heard me. Say praise precedes power. Did you know that when Moses came to the Red Sea, impossible situation, what's he going to do? How's he going to handle it? And there's Pharaoh beating down on the Israelites. And what does he do? He has his staff in his hand and he raises his hands. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of victory. And he raises his hands and he says, God, come on, you can do this. The Red Sea parts and they cross through. Did you know when they came to the other side, he had another battle to face. The battle that he faced next was Amalek. And Amalek was a king. He had his own group of people and they went to war. And when they went to war, Moses, as long as he stood with his hands raised, Israel would continue to defeat them. But the moment that his hands would begin to go back down, Amalek would begin to overpower the people of Israel. So a couple of really smart dudes thought to themselves, seems to me like the best thing that we can do is help our friend praise. You got to get the right friends around you. And so he has Aaron and a man named Hur. How unfortunate for him. I know. And they get Moses' hands and they raise them. And they say, come on, let's, let's hold him up. Let's hold him up. Let's hold him up. Let's hold him up. Let's come on. Let's just keep seeing that praise. And so Moses raises his hands. You know, Paul and Silas are in prison. Come on, do I need to keep going? I will. Paul and Silas are in prison and they're praising and singing hymns and an earthquake. When was the last time you saw an earthquake unshackle somebody? Like never. You've never seen that, right? And the prison guard who was keeping them in prison, ends up serving them and they end up leading his whole family to have a relationship with Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? Is that when you can praise in your situation, that that praise be, precedes the power. So then we come to the last part of this story and it says on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and they marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the shout of the trumpet, the sound of the trumpet, the people gave a great shout, or shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Completely remarkable story about something that God did against overwhelming and impossible odds. Israel had walked around it six times. If it was me, <laughs> now if I were God, if I were God, 
I would have been on the top of the walls and I reckon about day four, day five, just, I would just push the brick off and said, see, it's working. But he gives them nothing. And they walk around six times and they get nothing. Now, I'm not an engineer, but if I was, I would be looking for some kind of structural fault or, you know, to make sure that something was, is there a crack there? Is there something that we can see? They get, they get nothing, right? It's interesting that the number six, just so you know, is man's number. Who do you think owns seven? They marched around the city once for six days and saw nothing. On the seventh day, they marched around the city the first six times and saw nothing. But on the seventh day, on the seventh march, what happened? God shows up and they hear the sound of the trumpets. And then the people hearing the sound of the trumpet, it's like it's heralding their victory. And they already know. They already know. And they haven't seen a thing, but they already know because of what's in their past that God's about to do something. And it says that the people, they all gave up. Come on, you're better than that. They gave up. And when they shouted, that impossible obstacle came crashing down. It came crashing down. It says that they ran straight up into the city and that they captured that city. Now, what you got to do is start to give God some praise and start to shout this side of your obstacle so that God can come. And why don't you let him do the next lap in your life? If you're so close to quitting, maybe you've tried it six times, but there's a seventh time coming and it's God. And if you let him at your situation, you see what God can do. You'll give it your best shot and you can see nothing. And then God comes in for the seventh lap and he changes everything about your situation. Maybe right now you say, I've done all I can do. Congratulations. Welcome to the problem. We do all that we can do sometimes. Let God come into your situation. Don't stop. Don't stop before God starts. If you feel like quitting, don't stop. Don't stop before God starts. Start to give God some praise right now where you are and see what he's about to do while we stand together in this place we trust you enjoyed this week's message for any more information about activate church check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week